Hi everybody. Welcome to the second episode of Reciting at Home. Uh and today I am going to recite a story by Gaide Mopan. Gaide Mopan was a French writer uh from the late mid to late 19th century, born in 1850. Uh I was introduced to his story with the very famous his very famous the necklace. and hence both has become one of my favorite short story writers uh he is known for short stories he has written about 300 short stories and maybe about six novels uh his background is that he came from a rather aristocratic family in france what you would call a bourgeois family um, both his mom and dad unfortunately they separated very early on in his childhood uh, and he was brought up mostly in his father's house um his father tried to bring him into the aristocracy uh make him a bureaucrat but a lot of that did not work out and eventually through his mother's artistic connections he interned or rather was mentored by one of france's favorite uh, authors fobar for quite a few years who made a lasting impression on him a little bound gaire mopan's writing style uh, so his characters he generally depicts them a bit dispassionately yet uh, he also brings in this irony between morality and reality which is one of the reasons why i enjoy his stories um he has both pretty uh, relevant to female and male characters there's no bias on that sense and uh, actually through his writing zigedo uh, he brings in different classes of france that he experiences over his time you can see his um, through his stories how he has traveled through different layers of society in france uh, and of course you do get a lot of french feel and french uh, life style through his stories So today I'm going to read a rather different and very uh, relevant story to the present, you know, lockdown period. Um so the story is well, here goes. He question mark by Gaide Mopan. My dear friend, you cannot understand it by any possible means, you say, and I perfectly believe you. You think I am going mad, aren't you? It may be so, but not for the reasons which you suppose. Yes, I am going to get married, and I will tell you what has led me to take that step. My ideas and my convictions have not changed at all. I look upon legalized cohabitation as utterly stupid, for I am certain that 9 husbands out of 10 are cuckolds. and they get no more than they deserve for having been idiotic enough to fetter their lives and renounce their freedom and love the only happy and good thing in the world and for having clipped the wings of fancy which continually drives on towards all women you know what i mean more than ever i feel that i'm incapable of loving one woman alone because i shall always adore all others too much I should like to have a thousand arms, a thousand mouths. 
and a thousand temperaments to be able to strain an army of these charming creatures in my embrace at the same moment and yet i am going to get married i may add that i know very little of the girl who is going to become my wife tomorrow i have only seen her four or five times i know that there is nothing unpleasant about her and that is enough for my purpose she is small fair and stout so of course the day after tomorrow i shall ardently wish for a tall dark thin woman she is not rich and belongs to the middle classes she is a girl such as you may find by the gross well adapted for a matrimony without any apparent faults and with no particularly striking qualities people say of her mademoiselle lajol is a very nice girl and tomorrow they will say what a very nice woman madame rohmon is she belongs in a world to that immense number of girls who make very good wives for us till the moment comes when we discover that we happen to prefer all other women to that particular woman we married well you will say to me what on earth do you get married for i hardly like to tell you the strange and seemingly improbable reason that urged me on this senseless act the fact however is that i am frightened of being alone i do not know how to tell you or to make you understand me but my state of mind is so wretched that you will pity and despise me i do not want to be alone any longer at night i want to feel that there is someone close to me touching me a being who can speak and say something no matter what it be i wish to be able to awaken somebody by my side so that i may be able to ask some sudden questions even if i feel inclined so that i may hear a human voice and feel that there is some walking soul close to me someone whose reason is at work so that when i hastily light the candle i may see some human face by my side because because i am ashamed to confess it because i am afraid of being alone oh you don't understand me yet i am not afraid of any danger if a man were to come into the room i should kill him without trembling i am not afraid of ghosts nor do i believe in the supernatural i am not afraid of dead people for i believe in the total annihilation of every being that disappears from the face of this earth well yes well it must be told i am afraid of myself afraid of that horrible sensation of incomprehensible fear you may laugh if you like it is terrible and i cannot get over it i am afraid of the walls of the furniture of the familiar objects which are animated as far as i'm concerned by a kind of animal life above all i am afraid of my own dreadful thoughts of my reason which seems as if it were about to leave me driven away by a mysterious and invisible agony at first i feel a vague uneasiness in my mind 
which causes a cold shiver to run all over me. I look around and of course nothing is to be seen. And I wish there was something there, no matter what, as long as it was something tangible. I am frightened, merely because I cannot understand my own terror. If I speak, I am afraid of my own voice. If I walk, I am afraid of I know not what, behind the door, behind the curtains, in the cupboard or under my bed. And yet all the time I know there is nothing anywhere. And I turn around suddenly because I am afraid of what is behind me. Although there is nothing there and I know it. I get agitated. I feel that my fear increases. And so I shut myself up in my room, get into bed and hide under the clothes and there Cowering down, rolled into a ball, I close my eyes in despair and remain thus for an indefinite time. Remembering that my candle is alight on the table by my bedside and that I ought to put it out and yet I dare not do it. It is very terrible, is it not, to be like that? Formerly, I felt nothing at all. I came home quite comfortably and went up and down in my rooms without anything disturbing my calmness of the mind. Had anyone told me that I should be attacked by a malady, for I can call it nothing else, of most improbable fear, such a stupid and terrible malady as it is, I should have laughed outright. I was certainly never afraid of opening the door in the dark. I used to go to bed slowly without locking it and never got up in the middle of the night to make sure that everything was firmly closed. It began last year in a very strange manner, on a damp autumn evening. When my servant had left the room after I had dined, I asked myself what I was going to do. I walked up and down my room for some time, feeling tired without any reason for it, unable to work and without enough energy to rain. A fine rain was falling and I felt unhappy, a prey to one of those fits of casual despondency, which makes us feel inclined to cry or to talk, no matter to whom, so as to shake off our depressing thoughts. I felt that I was alone and that my rooms seemed to me to be more empty than they had ever been before. I was surrounded by a sensation of infinite and overwhelming solitude. What was I to do? I sat down, but then a kind of nervous impatience agitated my legs so that I got up and began to walk about again. I was feverish for my hands which I had clasped behind me as one often does when walking slowly, almost seem to bump one another. Then suddenly a cold shiver ran down my back and I thought the damp air might have penetrated into the room. So I lit the fire for the first time that year and sat down again and looked up at the flames. But as soon as I felt that I could not possibly remain quiet, so I got up again and determined to go out, to pull myself together and to seek a friend to bear me company. 
I could not find anyone. So I went on to the boulevards to try and meet some acquaintance or other there. I was wretched everywhere. And the wet pavement glistened in the gaslight while the oppressive mist of tile, almost impalpable with rain, lay heavily over the streets and seemed to obscure the light from the lamps. I went on slowly, saying to myself, I shall not find a soul to talk to. I glanced into several cafes, from the Madeleine as far as the Faubourg Poissonier, and I saw many unhappy-looking individuals sitting at the tables, who did not seem even to have enough energy left to finish the refreshments they had ordered. For a long time, I wandered aimlessly up and down, and about midnight, I started off for home. I was very calm and very tired. My concierge opened the door at once, which was quite unusual for him, and I thought that another lodger had no doubt come in. When I go out, I always double-lock the door of my room. Now I found it merrily closed. It surprised me, but I supposed that some letters had been brought up for me in the course of the evening. I went in and found my fire still burning, so that it lighted up the room a little. In the act of taking up a candle, I noticed somebody sitting in my armchair by the fire, vanning his teeth, feet with his neck towards me. I was not in the slightest degree frightened. I thought very naturally that some friend or the other had come to see me. No doubt the porter whom I had told when I went out had lent him his own key. In a moment, I remembered all the circumstances of my return, how the street door had been opened immediately and that my own door was only latched and not locked. I could see nothing of my friend but his head. He had evidently gone to sleep while waiting for me. So I went up to him to rouse him. I saw him quite clearly. His right arm was hanging down and his legs were crossed while his head, which was somewhat inclined to the left of the armchair, seemed to indicate that he was asleep. Who can it be? I asked myself. I could not see clearly as the room was rather dark, so I put out my hand to touch him on the shoulder. And it came in contact with the back of the chair. There was nobody there. The seat was empty. I fairly jumped with fright. For a moment I drew back as if some terrible danger had suddenly appeared in my way. Then I turned around again, impelled by some imperious desire to look at the armchair again. I remained standing upright, panting with fear, so upset that I could not collect my thoughts and ready to drop. But I am a naturally cool man and soon recovered myself, I thought. It is a mere hallucination, that is all. And I immediately began to reflect about this phenomenon. Thoughts fly very quickly at such moments. I had been suffering from a hallucination. That was incontestable. That was an incontestable fact. My mind had been perfectly lucid and had acted regularly and logically. So there was nothing the matter with the brain. It was only my eyes that had been deceived. They had a vision. One of those visions which leads simple folk to believe in miracles. It was a nervous accident to the optical apparatus. Nothing more. 
the eyes were rather overwrought perhaps i lit my candle and when i stooped down to the fire in so doing i noticed that i was trembling and i raised myself up with a jump as if somebody had touched me from behind i was certainly not by any means reassured i walked up and down a little and hummed a tune or two then i double locked my door and felt rather reassured now at any rate nobody could come in i sat down and again and thought over my adventure for a long time then i went to bed and put on my light put out my light for some minutes all went well i lay quietly on my back then an irresistible desire seized me to look around the room and i turned on to my side my fire was nearly out and the few glowing embers threw a faint light onto the floor by the chair where i fancied i saw the man sitting again i quickly struck a match but i had been mistaken for there was nothing there i got up however and hit the chair behind my bed and tried to get to sleep as the room was now dark again but i had not forgotten myself for more than 5 minutes when in my dream i saw all the scenes which i had witnessed as clearly as it were reality i woke up with a start and having lit the candle sat up in my bed without venturing even to try and go to sleep again twice however sleep overcame me for a few moments in spite of myself and i twice i saw the same thing again till i fancied i was going mad when day broke however i thought i was cured and slept peacefully till noon it was all past and over i had been feverish had the nightmare i don't know what i had been ill in a word but yet i thought that i was a great fool i enjoyed myself thoroughly that evening i went and dined at a restaurant afterwards i went to the theater and then started home but as i got near the house i was seized by a strange feeling of uneasiness once more i was afraid of seeing him again i was not afraid of him not afraid of his presence in which i did not believe but i was afraid of being deceived again i was afraid of some fresh hallucination afraid lest fear should take possession of me for more than an hour i wandered up and down the pavement then i thought that i was really too foolish and returned home i panted so that i could scarcely get upstairs and remained standing outside my door for more than 10 minutes then suddenly i took courage and pulled myself together i inserted my key into the lock and went in with a candle in my hand i kicked open half my open bedroom door and gave a frightened look towards the fireplace there was nothing there ah what a relief and what a delight what a deliverance i walked up and down briskly and boldly but i was not altogether reassured and kept turning around with a jump the very shadows in the corners disquieted me i slept badly and was constantly disturbed by imaginary noises but i did not see him no 
that was all over since that time i have been afraid of being alone at night i feel that the specter of their of their closing to me around me but it has not appeared to me again and supposing it did what would it matter since i do not believe in it and know that it is nothing it still worries me however because i am constantly thinking of it his right arm hanging down and his head inclined to the left like a man who was asleep enough of that in heaven's name i don't want to think about it why however am i so persistently possessed with this idea his feet were close to the fire he haunts me it is very stupid but so it is who and what is he i know that he does not exist except in my cowardly imagination in my fears and in my agony there enough of that yes it is all very well for me to reason with myself to stiffen myself so to say but i cannot remain at home because i know he is there i know i shall not see him again he will not show himself again that is all over but he is there all the same in my thoughts he remains invisible but that does not prevent his being there he is behind the doors in the closed cupboards in the wardrobe under the bed in every dark corner if i open the door or the cupboard if i take the candle to look under the bed and throw a light onto the dark places he is there no longer but i feel that he is behind me i turn around certain that i shall not see him that i shall never see him again but he is nonetheless behind me it is very stupid it is dreadful but what am i to do i cannot help it but if there were two of us in the place i feel certain that he would not be there any longer for he is there just because i'm alone simply and solely because i am alone